And welcome into Poke the Bear, episode 175, presented by our good friends over at FanDuel. That's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. Connor, what is up? Evan, I'm doing well. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. And uh, I'm doing better than those Leafs. Ooh, not having a good one. Not having a good one. Didn't have a fun one on Thursday night. You know who really didn't have a fun one on Thursday night? Who's that? Tyler Bertuzzi. Oh, really? Ah, tough start to the season. Think he uh, regrets uh, signing that one-year deal? A little bit. A little bit. And uh, it's funny. I was talking about this on Bruinsby with Pete Blackburn, which I recorded legitimately five minutes ago before nice. we started recording what this. What work, Evan? Oh, yeah. I'm just going all day talking. Um, you know, it was pretty well documented that his camp sort of mishandled, uh, fumbled the bag, as the mm-hmm. kids like to say. Uh, around free agency and uh, sort of had a deal from the Bruins and then said, eh, we can get better somewhere else. And when they came back, Bruins are like, actually, we're all set. And, uh, you know, we don't always praise Don Sweeney on this show. And again, it's only been a month in Toronto. It's only been a month. So I don't want to, you know, I don't want to make any official statements. But uh, I think the Bruins might have made the right choice. So far, looking like that's the case. Yeah, I mean, what is it? He only played 11 minutes last night. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember what the Sheldon Keefe quote was, but it was like, we had a simple game plan and he didn't execute it, is what he said after the game <laughs> yesterday. So, I mean, between that, you already have Leafs fans that are now pissed about like him laughing on the bench when Marshawn was going back and forth with Reeves. I've um, seen that. I think it was Elliot Friedman on Friday on his 32 thoughts thing was like, yeah, it's like not been a good fit at all so far. So again, like uh, whichever, whoever you want to point fingers to, whether if you wanted the Bruins to sign him, which again, they were not going to trade Lena's Olmark for pennies on the dollar to accommodate a guy like Bertuzzi when they offered him a deal and his agent pretty much tried to, uh, play hardball with a team that was already way up against the cap. that was going, going to have to give up multiple pieces anyway, which you saw with Taylor Hall, like try to play games with that. And again, the Bruins couldn't be in a spot where they could wait things out. Like if, if you uh, were going to wait for Bertuzzi to come back to you two days later, you were going to have to sign four or five, like Denton Heinen level contracts. Like, again, they didn't break the bank by any means, but you had so many roster spots to fill that you needed to sign guys that were going on day one, like a geeky, or Shattenkirk, or, you know, Lucic, probably, who's always going to be here, right? But, like, there's a lot of these guys... <laughs> Lucic would have been here for, like, stop and shop gift cards. Right, right. But, like, you were going to have a lot of guys who I think the Bruins, and so far we've seen it, were going to offer really good value that were going to be gone. Like, someone else would have grabbed JVR for one year, one million. Like, Shattenkirk, all these guys. Like, you needed to go out there and shore up your roster with guys that weren't going to break the bank. So you weren't in the spot, if you're the Bruins, to wait things around and see whatever trump card that Bertuzzi's clearly not that fucking great agent uh, is waiting to drop on them. So again, you can kind of decide who you want to point fingers to. It, it does take two to tango, but so far it looks like a massive fumble from Bertuzzi in his camp in terms of how it's been. Again, all it takes is one game, a couple of games to heat up there, but so far it seems like it's just not worked out that well. And um, whether it's the, the offense, the, the defense has been lacking, which has been kind of a red flag in the past, right, w- with him, um, even during that playoff series where he was so good for the Bruins. Um, does not look good right now, whether it's those guys, whether it's Max Domi, all these players, all these guys that I had to, like, look at, like, the roster sheet, like, 10 times. It should be like, who? I-, I know the usual suspects on Toronto, but I was looking at the rest of their forward core. Um, so far, it hasn't worked out. Switch a lot of that roster around, but it's still kind of the same. Same things keep on sprouting up for that team. 
Same old Leafs. Same old Leafs. It's interesting. Pete Blackburn was saying this to me, and I thought it was a good point. You know, in Boston, he was a supplementary piece, right? He was an addition. He was uh, not a, a guy that you needed to drive play. He was someone who could just, you know, can you play responsibly enough on the wings? Can you tip some pucks in front? Can you produce? All those things. I think the expectations in Toronto were, you know, Maybe, yeah, you're not going to be the guy, but you're going to be close to being the guy and you're going to add a lot of scoring with Matthews and Marner. And uh, by the way, Willie Nylander looked great um, on Thursday night. Um, But I, you know, it's interesting, though, because like on paper, we talked about this in the offseason, like and and we kind of prepared our listeners for this. Bertuzzi's going to put up 30 goals and 60 points and up in Toronto. But, like, you know, anybody would in that situation. And I think so far we've seen that you got to have the details right. We've talked a lot about details early on this season with, with Patra, and uh, Bertuzzi kind of lacks those. And you mentioned it. Like, we saw it in the playoffs last year. Like, there were a lot of missed assignments. You know, like, Bertuzzi would contribute to two goals at one end, but then, like, you know, kind of be lost in space for two in his own. And so, like... I just, I, I go back to, uh, you know, we, we discussed this a little bit at the end of last year, and I think we were both on the same page of, like, it'd be great if you could bring Pertuzzi back, but also, like, there is a downside. This is not a foolproof addition uh, or a foolproof signing. Like, there is a downside to him um, that could rear its head if you sign him long term, and I think teams are now seeing it. Like, it's well documented that, you know, his value, what he might get on his next deal is going to be a lot less than what he would have gotten uh, this offseason. Yeah, maybe he should have signed the deal the Bruins first had for him. I believe it's called fuck around and find out, right? But- exactly. That old guy with the with the uh, whiteboard where he's like, uh, you know, he's fuck around and now he's finding out. So, yes. Uh, but you know who is fine? You know what we're finding out right now, Connor? Fat Evan. Good segue. We are finding out that Mason Lowry is quite good. Damn good, I would say. Uh, now it's been one, been one game. It's been one game. Yeah, dynamite. Montgomery was just dropping bombs. Dynamite after the game. Um, it's one game, but it's pretty damn big game. Thursday yeah. night, ESPN Plus prime time. Everyone's trying to find their password. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna do the I'm not gonna do the Mike Felger or like routine, <laughs> but yeah, I, I had quite a few. I think everyone in the uh, press box was getting quite a few uh, tweets asking people like. As if we were a Hulu tech support, I empathize with everyone who's in that spot. I'm very sorry. As someone who watches some like games on Nesson 360 and like the stream breaks, it's frustrating, but I, I can't fix it. I'm, I'm, I'm very sorry, people. I saw Jeff Israel make up a letter that he sent to like Gary Bettman, allegedly, you know, with a picture of his TV screen not working. Um, but that's and that's what sucks. I, I do feel for people because there are, you know, for um, any demographic, I think it, it's not just older folks, it's anybody i mean you ha- like it's a it's a complicated thing and it's extra money on top of it um i get why espn is doing that because they want people to subscribe to espn plus um but it's annoying that's a big game that you do want everybody to see and i, I don't want to go down this road because i think we could we could probably do a whole show on this but um i you know i I, I do feel for people on this because yes. it is really annoying. When Hulu breaks down, again, it's not a Bruins-Ducks game. It's Bruins-Leafs. It's, you know, it only happens a couple times a year, and it was a great hockey game. It was a great game um, on Thursday night, but uh, Lowry looked really good. Lowry looked really solid. Uh, what did you know? What did you like in his game last night? Yeah, I, I mean, I think the, the traits that we've seen and heard about him as to why he's a blue-chip prospect, you know, the 
offensive touch there. The playmaking um, was really good in transition, like was hitting guys on the tape, uh, really, again, limiting those mistakes that can happen in a hurry against a team like Toronto that can make you pay in a split second. Um, really, really sound in that area. Um, shot first mentality, which I think the Bruins have been lacking on that on that uh, that decor, um, something Montgomery has stressed. So he's been a really strong uh, a strong start for him in that regard. But I think probably the biggest surprise is just how solid he was in his own. And again, he's not perfect. He's still learning on the fly. It is a hell of a matchup against guys like Matthews and Marner and Tavares and all these guys. Um, so it's not easy by any means. And I think if, the more he plays, the more you'll see those lapses, which happen to even the most seasoned defensemen out there. Um, but I think overall his instincts in the D zone, like making simple, smart plays to clear the puck out, uh, making those sound first passes um, was really good on the PK. I thought um, like I had a, a two stick plays to really kind of knock uh, the puck away from uh, Bertuzzi in two spots there. Like, I think that's, what's really encouraging. Like we know. Oh, he overpowered Bertuzzi. Yeah. I mean, he sunned yeah. Bertuzzi. So, I mean, like we know what his offensive capabilities are and something that he could probably cover to career just being a third pairing sheltered five on five power play kind of guy. But like, if he's able to eat into the PK and play 20 minutes a night, then you got something special there. I think it's something we've already talked about, right? Like his floor is that third pairing special teams guy and his ceiling is like, I don't know, John Carlson, right? Like that's what I've always mentioned is like a six, four, 55, 60 point guy that can play 20 minutes a night. Um, and you saw, Again, not saying that's what he's going to be, but you saw glimpses of it, right? And I think that makes the world of a difference, right? There's a, there's a lot of defensemen in the league that are really gifted playmakers. Not a lot that can play 20-plus minutes in a 6-5. Um, so really encouraging. I think, again, we've – feel like we've this whole season so far, we, we've preached patience with these younger players like Patra and, you know, Beecher and now Laura. I have like, all right, these guys, don't, don't rush them, but – kind of proven us wrong because every time they've been in these lineups, they're, they're carving out spots. And it's, I even asked Montgomery uh, on Friday, like what'd you hear from Providence in terms of like how his D zone play is coming along. And Ryan Mugenel, the head coach at Providence was like, uh, he, he told Montgomery uh, the game against Toronto was the best game they've seen him play, like beyond anything he's done in Providence. Like maybe hell, maybe he's just a guy that elevates to another level against NHL competition, which if you're the Bruins, you will take, because if he has more games like that, uh, you've got, another top four guy and already arguably the best decor in the NHL. And again, for six, five, he's a great skater. Yeah. Like that's another thing I think that, you know, when you look at his skill set, right? Like, and I think in the D zone, his stick is awesome. Yeah. Like the way that he's able to close in on guys and kind of put stick on puck. I know it sounds really easy, but a lot of guys aren't good at it. And you know, the fact that he can kind of shut guys down doing that while also keeping up with them, you know, like I, yeah. I, Chara was 6'9", but he wasn't, like, the greatest skater in the world. Um, he was fine. I'm not saying he was bad or anything, but, like, his reach would save him a lot. Guys would cut him, you know, try to cut in, and his reach would stop him. The fact that Lowry, again, I'm not comparing Chara and Lowry here, but the fact that Lowry can stay stick on stick and keep up with those players, I think is huge. Um, and you saw, you know, even just, you know, the way he's able to join the rush, I think it's so encouraging. Again, that's nothing new. Like that, that was in the preseason. Uh, we, you know, we've seen that at Ohio State. Uh, like that's nothing that's, you know, that was added to his game in the last three weeks. But I think just the confidence that he was able to show um, was so impressive. But again, I go back to like zero high danger chances against in his 17 34 five on five time is freaking crazy. Um, and to do that against, and again, like 
the goal that went in when he was out there, I wouldn't put it on him. I know it went off his stick, but like yeah. Marner's nasty, cuts yeah. middle. I thought Carlo could have done a little better of a job there, kind of taking away the middle, even though he basically did. Marner's just so gifted that he kind of yeah. just whoop right to the middle. Um, but I mean, I just he looks good. Yeah. Like I that's gonna be a hard guy to try to send down because he seems to have carved out a role. We'll talk kind of long-term stuff, but first, quick word. Quick word from our sponsor. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can bet on everything from spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. And frankly, that's the best part about FanDuel, that you can bet on anything. You want to bet on how many wins the Patriots are going to have this year? Be my guest. Maybe how many shutouts Jeremy Swayman's going to have this season. Go for it. You can really do it all. So bet now on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season with an offer you don't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus and present in Mass. $5 pregame Moneyline wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-throwable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at fanduel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Hope is here. Go to gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. Go to gamesensema.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. So, low rye looks really good. And, you know, again, I, it's not surprising at all. Um, we said it, when he went down to Providence at the beginning of the year, and we were both pro, hey, let go down to Providence, work on the D zone, work on structure, work on assignments, things like that. Um, we said, hey, he's going to be up at some point this year. Yeah. Like, that's a pretty much a foregone conclusion. Now he's up. And by the way, Wertherspoon, I thought, was solid last night. Led the team in hits. Yeah. Uh, Mitchell was fine. I thought the real guy on D that kind of, and I think I texted you and Ty about this, uh, Shattenkirk had a rough night. And yeah. uh, I one to him, played a shit ton of minutes. So, I mean, give him credit there, but he wasn't. He's still, I think, waiting to kind of hit that other gear I think the Bruins are, are kind of waiting for. Uh, it doesn't seem like Montgomery and those guys are panicking yet, but that is something worth noting is, like, you need a – over the stretch, you don't need like Lindholm from last year in October, November when McAvoy was out and he was going ham. Like, dude looked like a Norris frontrunner there. Are you worried about him? Zero points in 10 games. I'm not worried, but there are times he does seem to try to do too much. Yeah, I think it's all about, you know, simplifying. And again, I don't know if he's going to be the player he was last year over these next couple of years of a 50-point guy. But if he can give you a 35-40 and play 22 minutes and just be solid, then I think you'll take that as being another anchor of your decor. So... Um, I think the points are going to come. It's all about, I think, the priorities just continuing to be a really strong shutdown guy. And, I mean, who knows? Hell, if Lorais are on here long-term and you put him and Carlo together, then maybe you put him McAvoy into a super pairing. That helps out both parties there as well. So uh, time will tell there. But I'm not really too worried about him yet. He's, I think, got enough of a track record, especially here in Boston, that I think you'll expect him to kind of right the ship there in terms of his maybe offensive game. Yeah, I agree. Um, Lowry, though, it's an interesting idea. I think long term, I mentioned this a little bit on Bruins beat, but, you know, NHL's copycat league size matters on uh, defense these days. And, you know, I, I it's an interesting 
addition. And I think a lot of people have been talking about Matt Grizzlick, right? That's the guy that, you know, people even labeled at the beginning of the preseason, uh, you know, is Lowry Grizzlick's replacement. I like Grizzlick a lot. I do. I think he adds a lot to your team at five on five. You just look at his usage in the playoffs the past couple of years and you just wonder what's the fit here. Um, if Lowry continues on this track and Grizzlick comes back in, you know, early December, does Grizzlick have a spot? Is that is it time to deal him if if he gets back and Forbert's there and you know then you're good you you've got three left shot guys like what happens then? Yeah, I mean it's it's going to be really interesting to see how they prioritize the skill sets and again it all comes down to Valorize ready right. So if we're going to assume that he's sticking up here and he's a guy yes that's with Carlo, then it all comes down to how you want to kind of comprise the rest of your decor right because again it's. I'm also a big Grizzly guy, so I think, especially at five-on-five five play, like he can impact whatever pairing he's with. Again, you have those questions about how he is in the playoffs, what have you. Um, it also depends on what kind of return you could get if you were to deal him. But it's always puzzling, right? Because like this year, especially, Montgomery, I think, has been really high on Grizzly. He's talked about how he's trusting him more with PK reps. Um, in terms of that shot-first mentality that Laura has shown, uh, Montgomery said a few days ago, the only guy that has really consistently done that of being really aggressive in the offensive zone has been Grizzly amongst the defensemen. So like he's been really pleased with what they've had from him so far, but if he's going to not play in the playoffs again, you know, in a few months, then you know, what's it all worth? Right. Like I, I could see a scenario where, you know, maybe he's your third pairing guy back to where he was um, back to where he was in like 2019. Maybe that's where he's best suited and maybe Fulbert's your, 7D, the guy you can bring in, switch things around if the series gets heavier or what have you. Like maybe that's a scenario you deal with. Um, or even like Grizzly can shift to the right side if you think he's a, a better player than Shattenkirk. Like uh, it's kind of not the same thing as Olmark, right? Uh, reigning Vezina trophy winner. But I also don't think you're moving a guy like Grizzly who is versatile, is versatile, can do a lot, um, has, you know, been really strong this year so far. Like that's not a guy I think you just cast off unless – you're getting a, a really nice draft pick or anything back. Like, I don't think they're in a rush to like Grizzlick's off LTIR. You got to move them or you got to like, you know, push a guy like forward out there. Like, I think if that, if those are your seven D you got a very good problem on your hands. Right. And I think Grizzlick's a guy that um, even maybe his role is lessened and he ends up averaging 16 minutes a night instead of uh, 18 or what have you. And he's more in a third pairing spot. Like he can still bring value, I think, wherever you put him. Um, but it is a really good problem to have because if Lori is, eating up those minutes. And again, you would think that maybe Fulbert's safe in that spot because he, how good he's on the PK. But like if Laura is eating these PK minutes and is looking good there, and that's a role for him to get more uh, ingrained into the system, like that could put him in that same spot of being a guy that could be on the outside looking in. So it's going to be really fascinating, but um, interesting to see just where those pieces fall. Cause again, there's no like really right way to do it or no way that's like the, I think everyone can agree will be the consensus on how to move, even though I'm sure there'll be a lot of very vocal people on Twitter who are like, just trade Grizzlick. Trade Grizzlick for a fifth. It's like, no, he, he still brings an awful lot of value, even if Lori's playing well. There's no rush to deal him. No. That, what is, it's not like this is the trade deadline. It's not like there's you know, a team uh, you know, on the other end of the line saying, we'll give you a first-round pick for Grizzlick. Then in that case, like, yeah, but that's not happening. Um, I would be fascinated to see a Forbert-Grizzlick pairing. Um you know, and again, we'll see what ends up happening when he returns. It's not for almost, you know, at least basically a month. Um, 
But I'd be curious to see what that looks like. You know, uh, him potentially running the power play instead of Shattenkirk or Lowry jumps in. Like, that's another area of Lowry's game I'm curious to see. Like, he's a very good offensive guy. When does he sort of start to get the keys to that second unit? Uh, if he continues on this track record, on this record. I'm not saying, like, you know, it's one game. We do have to temper our expectations a bit. Um, but again, if he continues on this track, like, at some point he's going to get those keys. Um, so again, I, I think, you know, it's a good problem to have. Also injuries happen, like <laughs> injuries take place. And I think that's another thing. Like you're already seeing it. Forbert was out Thursday. Uh, McAvoy was suspended. What did you think of the four games? Uh, not really surprised. I thought maybe like two or three, but I mean, for it's a, a play you just can't have happen. I understand like heat of the moment, what have you, but high hit, clear contact guys down. Can't have that happen, right? I, I think that's been more or less the consensus. I know there's maybe a few dissenting opinions there, but wasn't really surprising. I saw four games, I was like, oh. But it wasn't like the the punishment or anything like that was out of the realm of, you know, if it was like a 10 game, it'd be like, oh, shit. But uh, for the, the you know, the the way that play uh, kind of played out, not really surprising. Maybe it was a little bit steeper than I initially thought. Yeah, I, I don't know. Part of me thought he got he might get a teeny bit more, but yeah. four is four. I mean, again, I, I thought can't it was a dumb it. play. Can't do that. Uh, can't especially, do that especially at all. like two minutes after like, he scored a goal. It was like I know. like Leroy Jenkins, like he just lifted a lot of great play, and then it was like woo. <laughs> Can't do that to, to Oliver Ackerman. It was like that Simpsons meme where uh, who is it? Is it uh, Bart getting thrown through? No, it was Ralph getting thrown Ralph, through the window, yeah. right? <laughs> through the window, yeah. It's always the speaking draw. of this, it's always spe- a great tweet. It is. I always want to use it, but I'm like, that's Connor's thing. Like, I can't, I can't impart on that. Please, uh, please use it. The Simpsons. I have not watched The Simpsons in a long time, um, but I got back into The Simpsons with their Halloween specials, mm-hmm. and I laughed a lot. And I forgot how funny The Simpsons can be. Vintage um, Simpsons is right up there, man. It's really goated. Nice. Goated, yeah. I loved it when I was little, and then I just kind of got away from it as I got older, and I saw some of the newer seasons, and I was like, meh. But, like, old Simpsons is hilarious. And, like, I will never not laugh at Homer Simpson. Like, I just, it's impossible not to. Um, so I got I to gotta get back into The Simpsons because it's a good show. Um, and I got Halloween drew me back in. Um one other thing from Thursday night, uh, Jake DeBrusque, first goal of the season. Good to see him get going. Uh, what can this do for his confidence? Because it feels like he's about to maybe go on a little streak. Yeah, I mean, it's you look at the track record. Uh, he's got a very interesting resume or, or uh, a stat line over the years that I think, you know, he's had these peaks and valleys before, but almost always when he's had a drought, he gets that one goal and he goes on a heater. Like even last year, I was looking at it and, I think we all agreed probably last season was his most consistent, but he still had uh, in, I think, late February through the middle of March, he had seven games without a goal, right? So, like, even last year when I think he was the most dialed in, like, these things do happen, then he, he then goes through a stretch right after that. I think he had five goals in eight games, including goals in four straight games. Like, this happens. Like, it's all about kind of getting that first bounce or that first uh, opportunity. That was a great play. Like, even, like, that pass to Marshan to kind of set it up, was great. Like I think that was probably DeBrus' best game in terms of just again when he's moving his feet, when he's like driving wide and putting guys on on their heels and driving to the net, making things happen on the forecheck. That's what he's got to do, right? Because you can see how impactful he can be in the offensive zone uh, when he's really moving like that. Um, but 
listen, we can talk about these guys like Patra and Laura and Beecher, and they've been huge, and it's it's really exciting to see. But you also need these stalwarts up front to be the guys that I think are most responsible for consistently generating offense. Um, and you need a guy like DeBrus to really start uh, landing punches there. So you hope a game like Thursday where, you know, he's really playing confident, playing to his strengths and finally gets rewarded. Keep on doing that more and more. Again, we've, we mentioned this every single time we talk about DeBrusque, what he needs to do. Drive to the net. The chances are going to be there. So uh, hopefully he's able to build off of that. I, and I'm fascinated the shootout move he does. He does it every time. Every now, we, we watch every game, so I guess we're used to it. But I am always shocked goalies aren't just like this with their blocker yes. as, as DeBrusque is coming do down on that. You know, just, yeah. just like this. Like, I... I you know it's coming. <laughs> just, just, all right, fine. You're gonna give me the lower part of the yeah. net, um, but it's a filthy move. Like, yeah. you know, he like you know. We always talk about Pasternak, and for rightfully so, right? Like, just outstanding moves. Uh, you never know what he's gonna do. Obviously, with DeBrusque, he's done this like a hundred thousand times. But to make it look that easy, like that is a hard, hard play, and to always get it. To always get it in that top right corner of the net is so impressive to me. Uh, but again, I guess that's why he's in the NHL. Um, I agree with you, though. I think, it, it, real quick, question. Who would you rather have for the next five years? We're going to play this game. Ready? Jake DeBrusque or Tyler Bertuzzi? I'd probably take DeBrusque. I think he's a more complete player. And he's, again, you need to have more consistent scoring. But what he does on the PK... Uh, his defensive game, which I think has made a lot of strides beyond the consistency of the offensive zone. He's probably the more complete player. Again, like he can sometimes drive you crazy. Uh, he has to set an extra alarm or two, but in terms of, I think, how we can impact the game and plays into what the Bruins' core strength is. Like Bertuzzi, everyone loves him, right? He's got the long hair. He's missing a tooth. He looks like a, a typical Bruin. But in terms of like – the bedrock of their success now, which is defensive accountability in their own zone, uh, good on the rush. Uh, I think DeBras kind of fits more into what what exactly they need. So, when Tyler Bertuzzi isn't producing, what's he doing? That's the real question, right? Like, like when Jake DeBrusque is laughing at our jokes on the bench. <laughs> well, Ryan Reeves does nothing. But can we also? I'll, let me just say one thing. It's very funny how it. like Toronto beefs up their whole roster. And like that's like the new change in leadership is all these guys, and then they clearly have a, a bone to pick with Martian off of that that play, which is unfortunate. You really hope um, Lilligren's uh, hopefully back soon, even though it didn't really look good. But terrible talking the whole time on the bench and like keeps pissed afterwards. What do they do? Nothing. Nothing. Same old. And I, it's the same. It also, it's the same. It's the same shit every every year, Evan. No, it is, and I I also go back to like Reeves is a tough guy who is not good at hockey. Yes. So they can't put him out there. Like you, he, he's a Without tough guy. Like, yeah. <laughs> Nothing happened. And I like, again, by the way, I don't think that play was dirty by Marchand. I didn't see the trip. I, I didn't see the dirty, uh, the part of that play that was dirty. I know Toronto people should have been, like, been there. Uh, a penalty, but it shouldn't have been people clamoring for a suspension or what have you. Like, no. Yeah. I, I, yeah. It, it sucks. Yeah. We hope he's it, back. It's, it wasn't classic Marchand or anything. I, I just, I agree with you. And, uh, you know, again, I think it goes back to Bertuzzi's comments before the game being like, you know, oh, he's full of shit. You know, it's funny. I know he's a good guy. So I'm wondering if it was that, mm -hmm. but like, at least kind of act mad, man. Like, you know, you're getting demoted to the fourth line. You're not playing well. You're sitting at the end of the bench and you're chuckling at that. Like, you know, 
especially in a market like Toronto, like at least look angry, you know, like I know she shook his head and everything. and You don't want to read too much into that stuff. Um, but uh, I agree with you. I, I just I go back to uh, Jake DeBrusque when he's not producing is still at least able to play on the PK, able to produce or not produce, but, you know, get to dirty areas and and play responsible hockey. So um, I, I would take DeBrusque. I would take DeBrusque. It's it's close, but I, I would take um, I would take Jake DeBrusque. I think we kind of hit everything. Did we miss anything? I don't think we did. I think that's kind of the, the big point from that game. Most uh, Again, there's always a lot of takeaways from uh, Toronto. But again, beyond that, another really strong win for a team that continues to kind of push the – I don't know how many more goalposts people want to push it back, right? Like they start off against a, a pretty light schedule. Now you're into like the, the meat of the season. This is one of their toughest stretches the whole year right now. And whatever game it is, whether it's a younger guy contributing early in the year, you have like a, a, the JV, you, every game you've had like a new, the insert player's name here game, right? You had the Potra game against Anaheim. You had the JVR game uh, against Nashville. Like every single game, there's a new guy stepping up. And once you get more consistency from the guys, the, the usual suspects like the Brusque or the guys that we know, are going to contribute like Pasternak, like you've got a pretty good team on your hands, especially if that defense of the goaltending stays the way it is. I do have two quick points to end this show on. Uh, number one, Patra had a rough start to the game, but I thought he had a really good finish. That, third, I thought he that, was, that final shift was bananas from him in the third. Sicko mode, yeah. sicko mode. I mean, his ability to play with the puck along the wall, you know, evade defenders while also being really tired. Again, just more proof that, this kid is legit. Um, number two, uh, and I meant to bring this up during the Bertuzzi discussions. Uh, I think there was so much pants pooping about Sweeney's uh, signings over the summer. And I, I always want to say to people, they didn't have much space. You had to kind of go the money ball route. And so far it's worked. Like, is Van Riemsdyk this transcendent talent? No, I mean, we're, we're not talking about, you know, we keep saying, like, you know, can he be in the top six? And he really has not kind of solidified his spot, but he's produced on the power play, he's held his own, and he's a million dollars a year. Or a million dollars for one year, yeah. right? And you got Geeky, who is a solid value signing. And, you know, uh, you have these solid value signings um, instead of, you know, signing Bertuzzi to a ton of money. And you've gotten more out of the value signings than, you know, Bertuzzi's produced up in Toronto. So, um, again, not trying to be, you know, the the pro-Bruin defender or anything, but, like, they worked with what they had and they did a pretty damn good job of getting value pieces. I'm not saying these are MVPs or all-stars or guys you're going to lock up to extensions. Um, but, again, I think it's just value pieces. Um, and they did a pretty good job of it. So, um, yeah, always fun to play the Leafs. Bruins have the Red Wings again, except they're in Detroit Saturday night. So we'll see what happens there. But, Connor, what can people look forward to from you over at Boston.com and the Boston Globe? Yeah, we've covered uh, throughout the season with uh, roster breakdowns, features, uh, columns, all that good stuff every single game. So continue to please read our stuff over at boston.com and if you want to follow me on twitter x whatever the hell it's called uh you can at connor ryan underscore 93 i always forget to call it x it's twitter i that's what i will always call it twitter i will always call it that but uh that is connor ryan i'm evan marinovsky poke the bear listeners have a great rest of your week